I love seeing things click in my son's head. It's taken the better part of the last nine years to master the art of catching this elusive microscopic moment. The instant he realized where hamburgers and his little sister came from have been among the most enjoyable. Third grade has taught Hudson a lot about the roots of our country. So when a business trip sent me to D.C. recently, I thought it was the perfect opportunity for a father-son trip and for me to watch all the little dots connect in his head about what he'd been learning in school. We saw where the very first president lived. We came all the way out here for this. And we saw where the president lives today. son taught me what he'd learned in school about the men who framed our country. And I taught my son about the men and women who are still shaping our country today. And that's why the legislative branch is broken into two different sections. Yeah, but why do they argue so much? We walked in the footsteps of countless men and women who stood up for their rights. And we sat at the feet of the great emancipator, who to this day still sits vigilant over all of our rights. He's a lot bigger in person. Uh-huh. I've been looking for those clicks, those aha moments. But my son surprised me. He had it all pretty well figured out. But we still had one place left to visit. What are these, Dad? These are our heroes, son. What kind of heroes? These are the heroes that made possible everything you and I saw today. These are American heroes, son. Is that a hero, Dad? Click. Yeah, that's a hero. Can we go get pizza now? Those moments never last as long as a father would like. And today I pray that families of these fallen can somehow feel the goodness of God amidst their loss. Come on, Dad. I've been waiting forever. Okay, let's go. It is because of the sacrifices of our heroes that I have the freedom to experience moments like this. So to all the men, women, and families of those who served in the armed forces, thank you for your sacrifice. You will never be forgotten. Well, good morning, Dorisville family, and God bless you today. Well, tomorrow is Memorial Day, a time when we celebrate all those who gave their lives that we can have the freedom that we enjoy here um, in America. You know, I was sitting there thinking about what to say. 
probably all do that before, right before service. But anyway, you know, last week something happened um, that was, turned out to be very impactful. Um, Judy and I, during this COVID-19 thing, look for things to do. And one of the things we've started doing is driving around. We do our very best to get lost, and we found out that's kind of hard to do. But we just love going down roads we've never been down before. On staff meeting a, a week or two ago, we talked about a lavender cemetery. And uh, Elaine mentioned that there were some old veterans there and that, in fact, that Bob's grandfather was buried there. So we, we found it. We, we went looking, and it was over on 34, right past Herod. You ought to go. Uh, right past Herod, about two miles, you turn right on Lavender Cemetery Lane, and, and you go down, and there it is. It's a really nice cemetery divided into two parts. And, um, boy, the highlight was this. Um, there was a guy named, and I want to say Joseph, but don't hold me to that. But I think it was Joseph Lavender, uh, the family name. And he was a veteran of the War of 1812. He, uh, he was... He, was buried. He died in 1857. Amazing. That's how old the cemetery is. And it just really stirred my heart. And as you start walking through the cemetery, um, there are a lot of headstones that are, I don't know if they're just rocks and the letters have been worn off. I just don't know that. Um, but there's a lot of graves that are not really marked very well. But as you go on back, you see World War II veterans, you see World War I veterans. And then as you get toward the way toward the back, um, something very striking. Um, of course, all you are familiar with the war between the states, the Civil War. And there, buried um, in the cemetery, is a young man that was in the Civil War. And he was in the, from the South. He was from Mississippi. And somehow ended up being buried in Lavender Cemetery. Uh, but then just two spaces down from him is a, another grave of a Civil War uh, veteran. And he fought for the North. And I thought, what a contrast. What a contrast that these two men um, opposed each other and yet found themselves buried um, in the same cemetery. And then, and then I went across the road. And again, there's just, I wish I had time to tell you all the different things that I saw. But I, I went across to the news section. And there was a nice monument. And um, both of them served the United States Air Force. But he um, retired as a chief master sergeant. And what made him very significant to me, not was that he was in the Air Force and happened to be an Air Force veteran, but was that he had earned the Bronze Star Medal. And the Bronze Star Medal is the kind of medal that you can only get when you go to combat and do something brave. I mean, you can't get it sitting in an office. It's that thing. So there he was uh, with a Bronze Star Medal, uh, one in Vietnam, and retiring as a chief master sergeant. But right next to him was a gentleman, a man, who was in the Korean War. And he wasn't a veteran. He didn't come home, um, at least not alive. Um, he was aboard the USS, I think it's Saris, S-A-R-I-S. And it was an ocean-going tug, and it was serving off the coast of Korea. And a typhoon came during the war, and a typhoon came, and somehow one of the mines broke loose and hit this tug. And uh, it sank in 20 minutes. Sank, and there were four people that died, and four men were injured. It had been a small crew because it was a tug. And uh, somehow he found his way back to Lavender Cemetery. So, so I tell you that story to tell you this, that we need to be thankful for all these ones who gave their lives that we could be free. Um, tomorrow, uh, I know it's a hot dog hamburger day, cookout day, barbecue ribs day, but would you do me a favor as your pastor? Would you take just a moment and pause? I know there's going to be a, a nice uh, service at the cemetery at 10 o'clock. They're dedicating Little Arlington um, and they've got 242 crosses, I believe, and it represents all the 
the men who died in the service of their country from throughout this region. And they're going to be dedicating that at 10 o'clock. So if you've got time, take your kids out there and show them what Memorial Day um, is all about. And if you don't make it to the service, would you please take time uh, to just pause and thank God for the freedoms that we have. Because we are so blessed um, and we need to honor those who made this freedom um, possible. Hey, would you join me in a time of prayer? Hey, Father, thank you so very much for this time. Thank you for the trip to Lavender Cemetery. Um, Father, thank you what I saw from all as far back as the War of 1812 um, and as recent, Father, as, as the ones that we've seen in recent years. Thank you, Father, for the men and the women who have given their lives. Father, it's been my privilege to stand in Arlington. I thank you for the men and women who gave their lives. It was my privilege to stand over in Luxembourg and see thousands of white crosses of men and women who died during World War II. Um, thank you for them as they gave their lives. And God, we know, we know, we know that the greatest sacrifice for our freedom, of course, Jesus, was you. And because of you, men can be not, not physically free, but spiritually free. And you know, if we believe the truth, which is Jesus Christ, then we know that we, um, we can be truly free. So thank you for um, tomorrow, what it represents. Thank you that we are privileged to live in this country. And it's crazy right now. It's crazy right now. But thank you that we have the privilege of living here in America. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen. Today, we honor the men and women who have died in service to our country. Our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America will never forget their sacrifices. For love of country, they accepted death. And they who for their country die shall fill an honored grave. For glory lights the soldier's tomb, and beauty weeps the brave. It is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who die. Rather, we should thank God that such men live. God bless the families of these men and women, and God bless America. Well, good morning, Dorsville. And I want to say God bless America and thank God for those guys that stood in the gap for us, each one of us. And, man, we're happy that you're here with us today, this Memorial Day. And I got good news before I start the thing off with a word of prayer. We've been collecting the offering all month long for Carmite Children's Home. And I got some totals here for you. You're doing a great job, Dorisville. We got $7,600, a little over that, raised. And we got 9100 to go to meet our goals. So today is the day. Let's finish strong. We got like $1,500 to make up. So 
we can do it, Dorisville, and uh, I know that you do care about these kids, and we take this up every May, and I know they depend on us, so we're going to lift that uh, need up, and I know that God can place that on your heart where you can meet that need. Also, uh, man, this is our time to give, and uh, man, we can give online, you can come by the church office, you can drop it off. You just take your responsibility to do what you need to do as the Holy Spirit leads. And I'm going to start us off with a word of prayer here this morning to bless our offering. Come, my Father, I just thank you so much for these men and women that were able to serve our country, stand in the gap for us, and to allow us to have the freedoms that we have here today. And, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. That movie said, man, they're heroes. We know they are. And, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'd help implanted in us to show gratitude and thankfulness for their sacrifice. And then, my Father, help us to stand in the gap. Help us to answer the call when called upon. And then, my Father, I just pray that you just be with our country now. As we said, things are crazy. I just pray that you have this plan worked out where you're going to be honored and you're going to be glorified by your church and all the ones that serve you. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.
James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And everything that Christ accomplished for us is already done, already won, already finished. And it was finished on that cross. It is indeed already finished and won and accomplished. Amen? For the beat up and broken 
Week six, can you believe that? And Elijah, already week number six. I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness. You know, Brent, you mentioned in staff meeting about, you know, about the uh, Baptist hour 
and always another month has come and gone. Well, guess what? It's almost the first again. So anyway, time is just flying by. I'm so excited today as we talk about prayer. Now, before I jump in, let me do this. I always say, I always want to say thank you to our tech staff and to our worship team. You guys do such an incredible job, and I'm so thankful for you. God bless you so very much. And also, I want to remind you of something, and that is the worship event. We have been talking a lot about that, but especially in these days when you're sitting at home, you know, and you're watching video, uh, you're watching the service, however you do that, you know, the worship event's a great thing. It's usually posted on Saturday night. It'll be available. Just go on version. Go to that far corner where it says more. Go up there, uh, events, and it'll be right there. It's got all the scriptures, and it's got all the slides and all that in it. So I hope you'll be using that. It will really help you. Well, today we're going to talk about a great topic, and that topic is prayer. Here's what I wrote to start the introduction off today. Um, prayer is perhaps the most underused weapon in our arsenal. Prayer is perhaps the greatest underused weapon in our arsenal. Also, it's also the most misunderstood tool in the tool shed. It's the most misunderstood tool and toolship. And I'm looking forward throughout this message to, to, as we look through the Word of God, to add some clarity to this thing called prayer. And it's so cool, we can go all the way back to the days of Elijah and get a great lesson. Now, the sermon title, as you can see, is Prayer Matters. Now, that's a play on words, okay? First, prayer matters. In other words, there's a priority. Prayer is important. Prayer, so prayer matters. But also, it's this, the matters of prayer. You know, what are the elements of prayer? How do we do prayer and, and be scriptural about it? So it's a double play on words. You know, I've got, I've got a quote that I tell you what. Corrie ten Boom, if you don't know, Corrie ten Boom spent a year or so in a German concentration camp um, in World War II, and her uh, sister died. And she did survive. Um, but she came, she's, well, it's very famous because she's gone to be the Lord now. Um, but she came up a quote with prayer that I think really, really lays that. Because again, I think it's so, it's underused. And it's, it's not, it's misunderstood. Okay? So here's what she said. Court Ten Boom said this. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is that not good is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Hey, about a year ago, all right, I bought a car. We don't buy used cars, so it was a used car. It was a nice used car. But anyway, so I bought a car, okay, and I've about had it a year now, all right? I need, I can't believe i got to confess this, okay? First off, and I'm a dude, okay, I'm a guy like dude, you know. Brent, I've never lifted the hood. I didn't lift it when I bought it, and I haven't lifted it since then. I mean, I've not looked under the hood, nor... Have I opened the trunk and see if I have a spare tire? Okay, I am hoping that somewhere in there in that trunk is a spare tire. But you know what? I don't think about it. It's never occurred to me, do I have a spare tire, until I was doing this message. All right? But then, guess what? One day, I'm going to be driving down the road, you know, and then boom, 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 boom. And I'm going to open that trunk, and I'm going to pray that there's a spare tire there. All of a sudden, what wasn't important becomes very important. And isn't that like prayer? You know, we get up, we're too busy to pray, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, bad doctor's report, lose your job, coronavirus, coronavirus, trouble comes, and all of a sudden, man, we want to pray a lot, and that's just how we handle it. Now, here's what's funny, my steering wheel, I think about it all the time. I get in my car every time, you know, I get in my car, put my hands on the steering wheel, we back up, or we drive forward, I always think about the steering wheel, because it's essential day by day. Well, here's what I want. I'm hoping that we can take 
today and understand that prayer is not our spare tire. It's something that we need every single day. Whether it's good days or bad days, doesn't matter. We need it all the time. Um, John Piper said this, Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. I thought, you know, John Piper does not strike me as the rhyming type of person. But he did rhyme there. Uh, Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer matters. Prayer is essential. Prayer is important. But also, the matters we pray about matter. The matters we pray about matter. Okay? So, So let me ask you a question. So what's your prayer list look like? Well, Andy Stanley, and this is not anywhere near a quote because it's been years ago that I heard him say this, and it's so true. You know, if, if, if you examine your prayer list, how big is your scope? How big is your scope? Let, let me tell you what it normally looks like. It normally looks like God bless my family, God bless my children, um, God bless those close to me. Um, if we know somebody, a close friend is sick, God bless the sick. Okay, it kind of looks like that, all right? But here's the deal. If you were to stop praying today, if you were to stop praying today, how would the world be impacted? Now, now you ought to, listen, you ought to pray for your world. I want you to understand that. You ought to pray for your world. But how would the world, how many missionaries would miss your prayers? How many missionaries, how many pastors? How many pastors would miss your prayer? How many ministry leaders that you know that you pray for online? How many of them would miss your prayers? How many lost souls would be in greater danger? How many lost souls would be in greater danger if I stopped praying? So prayer is essential. It's important. But it's also important the way and the things that we pray for. You know, R.C. Sproul, another great teacher, said this. You know, people who do not believe that prayer matters, people who do not believe that prayer matters or that prayer works or that prayer works are people who simply don't pray. They said, no if you if you are and I know one great prayer warrior, uh, Dave, and you do too. You know, you know if you know if you if you look at at prayer, if you look at people who believe in prayer, I mean, you can see the power of prayer. I mean, see the power of prayer in their lives. So so today we want to look at the life of Elijah. We're gonna we're gonna go back 550 years before the birth of Jesus. Okay, and we're going to learn about prayer. But we're going to start a little bit quicker than that. We're going to start around the time of Jesus, right after the death of Jesus. And, and we look at James chapter 5, verse 17 through 18, and we see that. I always think this is so cool. The half-brother of Jesus. The half-brother. I mean, can you imagine growing up with Jesus? He never did anything wrong. You know, he never did anything wrong. Okay, so, so James was the half-brother. Okay, that would be the same mother and different fathers. All right, so, so here's what James said about Elijah. Elijah was a human being as we are. Okay, so that means he had the same strengths. He had the same weaknesses. He was a person just like us. Because, oh, by the way, by the way, sometimes we look at people like the Bible, people like Elijah and go, oh, yeah, well, they weren't like us. Oh, yes, they were. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. There's more crazy stuff in the Bible than there is in the world today, it seems like. Okay? So Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly. He was an earnest prayer. Um, prayer mattered in the life of Elijah. And, and um, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, okay, and for three and a half years or three years and six months, it did not rain in the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. That's quite a testimony. 
Okay? So he prays that it not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then he prays that it does rain, and it does rain. So here's the question. What was Elijah's secret sauce? What was Elijah's secret sauce? What, what made him such a great prayer warrior? Well, the same thing that will make you and I a great prayer warrior. See, you're going to see a direct correlation between the success of Elijah's prayer and the will of God. You're going to see a direct correlation with, with Elijah's prayer life and the will of God. Here's how it worked out. God was talking with Elijah one day, and, and God said to Elijah, Elijah, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And Elijah said, sounds good to me, God. And guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. I mean, you, you do understand that Elijah didn't just come up with the idea. God spoke to him. Okay, so, so, so later on, three and a half years later, so, so God's talking to Elijah again, okay? And, and God says to Elijah, Elijah, it's time for it to rain. And Elijah said, sounds good to me, God. And guess what? It rained. See, see the correlation? Do you see it with the will of God? God said, rain, and it rained. God said, no rain, and it didn't rain. See, all Elijah got to do was to give the forecast. He was the Jim Razor of his day. He said, it's not going to rain until, by, until it rains by my word, by my command. And then when God said, told Ahab, hey, you better get going because rain's coming. He got to announce the forecast. And that's so true in our lives. See, this is a good one. You need to write this one down if you're taking notes. Great prayer warriors don't change God's mind. Um, let me even make it better. Great prayer warriors don't try to change God's mind. They simply agree with it. They simply, so often, that's one of the misunderstandings about prayer. We think our job is to get there and change God's mind. And let me ask you a question. Annie, why would you want to do that? I mean, if God is good and God is great, and if God can be trusted, um, if God, all good things come from God, and God's, God's wise, why would we want to change his mind for? Are we better than him? Are we smarter than him? Do we know better than Come on. No, of course not. We don't. But often you, now God, this is what I want. It's the way it comes out. And, and you know, I know you're maybe God, but I know better. No, you don't. No, you don't. He makes, he, listen, God can't spell oops. God makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. Now, before we go further, though, we've got, we've got you know, the, the forecast laid out there. There's a little business we've got to take care of that's not very pleasant, okay? And we find that in verse number 40, okay? Before the rain could fall, before the rain could come, uh, God's judgment had to fall. There had to be some execution of his judgment, no pun intended, all right? So in verse 40... The Bible says, so Elijah then, now remember, remember, here's the, here's the, uh, we're going to reference this again. Here's the untouched altar of Baal, okay, still sitting there, flies zooming around the dead carcass of this bull. And over here is virtually nothing left of the altar of God. I mean, the fire has come down, licked up the water, licked up the dust, licked up the stones, licked up the wood, licked up the, the, the sacrifice. There's not a whole lot left, okay? That's where it is. So, so it's all, ha- I mean, they're all still standing there, okay? And then, and then, we got the prophets of Baal. So, so Elijah orders them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Okay? Now, that's not the harsh part. But I want you to see something. You know, it was important. First off, why was it important that he seized them? 
Well, there's a couple of reasons why. They were false prophets, okay? They were, they were polluting the land, all right? But it'd be awful easy. <laughs> I could just see this. You know, if you know anything about politics, you could see this happening. So, so the rain starts, and these 500 prophets of Baal run around saying, you see what Baal did? See what Baal did? See what Baal did? It was important they didn't claim credit for something they didn't do, Okay? And it's important that they be eradicated, removed. See, sometimes things are so bad, there's no other choice but to eradicate, to take away. And that's what's going to happen. My friend Jim had leukemia. And after he did his whole deal in the hospital and all the chemo and all of that, you know, went on, um, he went back for a test. And here was the deal. It was pass-fail. It was pass-fail. If they found one cancer cell, he had to start chemo again. Just one cancer cell. It had to be totally eradicated. Well, what Elijah is saying sees the prophets fail. Not one of them must escape, okay? So they, the children of Israel, seized them, and, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Now, it's really, oh, what kind of God would do that? A just holy God would do that. A just holy God would do that. See, we, don't, we underestimate, we play around with this thing called sin. You know, you know Romans 6.23. It says that the wages are payment for sin is death. That's the harsh truth. You know, we, we, and, but you say, well, what's the big deal about sin? See, we don't get sin because we don't get God's holiness. If we could understand God's holiness, it would make all the sense in the world. It would make all the sense in the world. But the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the bad news today, if you're listening, all right, the bad news today is that if you are a sinner, and you are because the Bible says you are, that Jesus Christ loved you enough that he died on a Roman cross similar to this one, and he shed his blood because the wages or the payment for sin is death. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and paid for my sins, and he paid for your sin. That's a really, that's reason to celebrate. That's really, really, really big news. Now, there's, no, there's a gospel song, but these are not the words to the gospel song. Um, but someone said this way, you know, sin takes you where you don't want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you want to pay. The danger the ploy, if you will, uh, sin. I, I don't know if you're, I don't, anybody here, you know, or there in your living room, you got a, a pet boa constrictor? I mean, some people do this. They got these big old snakes, you know, and they're enamored with them. Oh, this is Susie. You know, hi, Susie. Susie's my snake. Just keep in mind, the things you love to pet, especially if it's sin, can choke the life out of you. Just like that pet boa constrictor can turn on you and kill you, so can and will sin. Just, just remember that. Okay, now back to Elijah, okay? So, so the 500 prophets of Baal are gone. They're eradicated, all right? So here we go. In verse 41, Elijah says to Ahab, Get up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. Now, this is so beautiful because here's the deal. You look around, Robin, you look around in the clouds, ain't one. Nothing but blue skies. You kick the dirt, and there's nothing but dust, okay? But Elijah, the man of faith and the man of prayer, says to Ahab, Hey, get up and eat because there's a sound of of rain. Now, here's the deal. He could hear what others couldn't hear. He, he understood that he was so sure that was going to happen that it's as if it already happened. He, he was, oh, this, 
Come on. He was so sure. He was so sure that God was going to keep his word. It's as if it already happened. See, that's what I love. That's what I love about eternal security. You know, people mock uh, certain Christians. Like, we're, I, I personally believe uh, in the eternal security. Once you're truly born again, you're truly born again. Okay? I mean, I just believe that with all my heart. I think that's what grace is all about. If I could lose my salvation, that's pretty weak grace. That's pretty weak grace. It's all God. It's all God. Okay? So, so here is, here's the deal then. Okay? God, in Ephesians chapter 1, it's, God writes as if we're already in heaven with him. He write, you know, I'll never forget. I've got to be careful of time. But you know, I remember I was in Germany, and this very wise elderly missionary lady, you know, was telling me about that one day. She said, do you understand that according to Ephesians chapter 1, that God sees you as if you're already in heaven? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, man. Like, ah, 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 you know, in the heart. But it's that way. Well, Elijah could hear the rain. It's as if it already was falling. Why? He heard with ears of faith. So let me ask you a question. Roth, do you hear with ears of faith? Do you see with eyes of faith? Do you hear with ears of faith? Okay? Elijah did. There is the sound of a rainstorm. So, so, two guys, two guys, verse 42, the first part. So Ahab um, went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. Now, again, I know that Elijah said, go eat and drink, okay? But it really shows the character or lack of character of one of them and the character of another. You see, for Ahab, it was a time for party. It was party-hardy time because as the king, he was ready for rain. His economy was, does this sound familiar? His economy was a mess, so he was ready for rain. So we see the unrighteous Ahab party hardy, not because God is God, but because his economy is fixing to open up. Okay? And then you've got righteous Elijah, who doesn't go party hardy. He goes to a prayer meeting. That shows the different character of Ahab and Elijah. Hey, can I ask you a hard question? How have you been doing during this coronavirus thing? Are you more excited about their easing restrictions or are you more excited that God might be doing something? Shoot that thing. Shoot that thing. Are you more excited because, hey, you might get to go to Florida on vacation this summer now? Or, or are you more excited that God just might be doing something huge, huge, that we can't even figure out? Think about that. Well, in this case, you know, Mr. Ahab's party, hardy time, and Elijah is planning a prayer meeting. And he chooses an um, unusual place, but not for the prayer meeting. He, he goes, he stays, actually, he stays on the summit of Carmel, okay? And that's where he has his prayer meeting. Why would he do that? Because it talks, it speaks, it speaks. Again, remember I told you we referenced it again? Over here is the altar of Baal, okay? Not being graphic. Flies are buzzing over the unburnt sacrifice of the bull. The wood is still there. The altar is still there. And it says, and it speaks and says, Baal is a failure. Baal is a failure. But, but, but you go over here, and there's some ashes, and there's, there's a little bit left of the altar where the fire of God fell and consumed it. And this says, God is victorious. What a great, what a great, what a great place for a prayer meeting. You've got over here, you've got 
Satan defeated over here. Let's just bring it home. Over here, you've got Satan defeated. And over here, you've got a resurrected King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Christ. What a great place to have a prayer meeting. What a great place to have a prayer meeting. So, so we have these two. And we have the Mount Carmel, okay? Now, let me give you, it all ties in, let me give you four great scriptures about prayer, okay? And it really teaches the secret sauce of Elijah's prayer. The fact that he prayed and it didn't rain, he prayed and it did rain, okay? The first is James chapter 5, verse 16, okay? Uh, right before what we read at the beginning. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in his fact. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Now, here's the deal. It's not because he acts righteous, but his discernment. A righteous person can discern the will of God. Let me, let me give you a quote from a guy named Richard Trench. Okay? And a righteous person understands this. It's really a good quote. Prayer is not, listen carefully, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. That's the big misunderstanding. Somehow we've been taught and we bought into it that the job of prayer is for me to get my will done in heaven. To somehow coerce God to do what I want him to do. Where do we come up that theology? That's crazy theology. Okay? So he says, prayer is not getting man's will, man's will and done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. You know, Jesus in the garden. Fathers, there's any way this can pass, let it pass. Nevertheless, not, not my will, not my will, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, it's not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. You know, the idea that we ought to coax God to do the right thing is crazy. God always does the right thing. He always does. Hey, I'm going to go a step further. God always does the best thing. God always does the best thing. His glory are good. His glory are good. The second scripture is this, Psalm 37, 4. And I think we used this scripture briefly last week. It's a great scripture. Written by David. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, don't miss those two words. We're taking notes. Delight yourself in the Lord. You Don't delight yourself in you. Don't delight yourself in your religion. Don't delight yourself in some religious leader, in case you're into that. Okay? No. Delight yourself in the Lord. And I wrote down the word immerse. Immerse yourself in the Lord. Immerse yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. See, people love to quote this verse and go, yeah, the Bible says he'll give me the desires of my heart. That's true. If you immerse yourself in him. And a person who is immersed in him, listen, a person who's immersed in him, the heart of that person will seek the heart of God. The heart of that person will seek the heart of God. It's just, it's the way it works. You know, when your desires and God's desires line up, you have a vibrant prayer life. You have a vibrant prayer life. The third scripture is this. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence. This is the thing we know. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything, somebody say anything. Yeah, yeah. If we ask anything, but here it is, here it is. According to his will. According to his will, he hears us. He hears us. See, God doesn't join us. We join him. We don't invite God to join our club, Mama T. We're invited to join his. I love the story of, of Joshua chapter 3. 
know, Joshua's sitting there and he's studying Jericho. He's studying Jericho. And he hears something. And he turns and there's a warrior with a sword drawn. And so Joshua says, Are you for us or for our enemies? And you know what the angel said? Well, the angel of the Lord says. Many believe, by the way, this is a physical manifestation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He says, neither. I have come as the commander of the Lord's army. I love it. I don't know where I heard this from, but I love it. He says, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. Amen. That's what I did not come to take sides. I have come to take over. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We don't join his he joins, I'm sorry, he doesn't join ours, we join his, all right? Now, a righteous person, this is number four, I'll give you the scripture in just a minute. A righteous person understands that pre- impressive words make a fine speech but a lousy prayer. Isn't that good? Uh, David, I like that one. I, I, when I wrote that, I said, hmm, that's pretty good. A righteous person understands that impressive words make a fine speech but a lousy prayer. Hey, Lead the oratory to the politicians. Prayers, pray. Prayers, pray. Leave your big fancy words to the politicians. They're good at that. Prayer warriors just need to pray. They just need to pray. So, in Matthew chapter 6, told you how to verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. So, when you pray, don't babble. Don't babble like, babble like Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, Jesus said. Because your Father knows the things you need when? Before you ask. Isn't that crazy, Brent? So whatever prayer is, it's not about asking. I mean, it involves asking, but that's not the central thing. If God already knows what, what we need before we ask, apparently the asking deal is not the most important thing about prayer. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, I think relationship is. Well, back to Elijah. Verse number 42, the second part. So Elijah, he bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now, now first off this, this is an unusual prayer. You know what's unusual about this prayer? There are no words. I told Brent in the office this week, we don't have any recording of words for the first prayer, and we don't have any recording of words for the second prayer. What an unusual prayer. Sometimes you just need to kneel before the Father and let the Holy Spirit take over. Let the Holy Spirit take over. What an unusual prayer. What an unusual posture. Can I just be honest here? For some of us, it'd be a real challenge to get my head between my knees. You understand what I'm saying? I don't. No, I know it's not going to happen. Okay? But here's the good news about prayer. Prayer is not about the posture of the body. Prayer is about the posture of the heart. God doesn't care about the posture of your body. He cares about the posture of your heart. And in his his, um, kneeling like that, he was showing his dependence and his humility. Verse 43. So then Elijah said to his servant, go up and look. Go up and look. And he looks toward the sea, which is his expected direction. Now, you know, most of our storms come from the west, okay? Normally, that's what happens. Actually, normally, if it's in the spring, the cold air comes down, the warm air is here, they collide. So most of our storms come from the north, 
northwest. Okay? So, so he says, go look toward the sea because that's where storms normally come from. So he went and looked and said, there's nothing. And Elijah said, I knew this prayer thing didn't work. I knew God couldn't be trusted. Can you imagine those words come out of Elijah? Ain't no way. Ain't no way. All right? So, so God said, there's nothing. So seven times, seven times. Somebody say seven times. Seven times, Elijah says, go back. Go back. All right? I love this. You know. See, persistence in prayer is not because God is stubborn or deaf. That's not why you know, we persist in prayer. Oh, God's a stubborn God, and God's a deaf God. That's a lesson of faith and preparation. Now watch, watch, watch. Don't miss this. It's a lesson of faith and preparation to receive his answer to our prayer. Whose answer? His answer to our prayer. William McGill, again, another theologian, said, the value of persistence, persistent prayer is not that God will hear us, but that we will finally hear God. That's just good. That's just good. Can I read it one more time just to make sure you got it? The value of persistent prayer is not that God will hear us, but that we will finally hear God. You know, you know Luke chapter 11, 9, and 10 you know, we're familiar with the scripture. You know, here's Jesus talking. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and, and knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, here's the deal. You've heard enough already to know one thing. That again, that God will be done. So if you're going to ask, okay... Be sure and ask the right thing. And then you receive. Um, um, you're seeking? Be sure and seek the right thing. Because when you seek the right thing, you receive. Oh, oh, oh. And be sure you knock on the right door. Be sure you knock on the right door. Because if you knock on the wrong door, nothing happens. If you knock on the right door, something happens. Amen? Does that not make sense? It really does. You know, I wrote this down as a, one of those hmm questions. You ever have hmm questions, Brent? Yeah. Well, here's a hmm question. So do you really think? Here it is. So it's year two of the drought. Roth, it's year two of the drought. Okay? Elijah goes, you know what? I really think these people have suffered long enough. It is time for us to have rain. So he gets on his face before God and says, oh, God, very sincere. God, hi, it's Elijah. Um, Listen, I think two years is long enough. So Lord, in, in the name of Jehovah God... I now pray and ask you that it rain. Now, God had said three and a half years, in case you remember that part of the story. But two years, Elijah says enough. Um, what are the chances of a rain shower? Ain't going to happen, baby. I am certain that somewhere around year 20 of the 70-year Babylonian exile, some Israelites were going, I think 20 years is enough. What do you think? We will behave. We'll be good. And God said, no, I said 70 because there's some lessons you've got to learn yet. See, God's smarter than we are, and God knows. So, yeah, yeah, ask, but ask the right thing. Seek and seek the right thing and knock on the right door, and your prayer life will explode. Well, anyway, so six times nothing, six times nothing. And on the seventh trip, a cloud of rain appears, okay? It's a, it's, a, it's a cloud of faith appears. Now, this is good. Seven's the number of completion in the Bible. Seven's the number of completion, okay? And when God's time is complete, 
Rain falls and walls fall. How many times did the Israelites walk around Jericho? They walked six times. Not a thing happened. They didn't happen on trip six. Nope, sure didn't. What happened on the seventh time? They shouted and the walls fell because God said it was time. Well, it's same, same with rain. The same thing with rain. God said it was time for rain and the rain fell. So on the seventh time, he reported in verse number 44 of the first part, there's a cloud. Now it's a small cloud. There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up from the sea. Okay, if you're taking notes, it's a good one right down. In the realm of faith, small beginnings have big endings. In the realm of faith, small beginnings have big, small beginnings have big endings. I said it right. Okay, now again, another story. You remember Mount Transfiguration? Remember Jesus comes down and there's this big hot mess like the COVID-19, big old mess going on. There's a boy who's demon-possessed, and his daddy's all upset, and the crowd's all upset because they had asked the, the disciples to do something, and they couldn't do anything. So Jesus shows up, okay? And so the father tells the story. Jesus said, how long, how long has this been going on? Well, since he's a young boy. He, he throws himself in the fire and the water. It's a terrible situation. Here's what the father says. But if you can do anything... No, do we not do that with God? Hey, God, if you can do something... Like, hello, he's God. He's God, okay? Uh, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. I love this. It's almost like humorous with Jesus. You know, Jesus said to him, if you can, him speaking, if I can, really? Everything is possible for the one who believes. Everyone, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. And sometimes that's how we need to pray. We need to pray authentically. God, I don't know. God, I'm struggling with my belief. God, I want to believe that you can do this, but I'm just not sure that I truly believe that. So, so the Father prays an authentic prayer, and there's power in authentic prayers. Be honest with God, and God will be honest with you. Okay, Authentic prayer is the best prayer. Well, anyway, so Elijah said, after this, Elijah said, go and tell Ahab. Get your chariot ready. And by the way, notice the unbelief of Ahab. Then Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, get your chariot ready, put it in four-wheel drive, and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. Okay, so he gives Ahab a warning, you need to get on the road because rain's coming. Well, in a little while, in minutes, in a little while, the sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there was a downpour. So Ahab got, wait, 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 wait. Ahab, you were supposed to be on the road. Elijah said, Get on the road because the rain's coming, and you don't leave. You don't leave, and so you get caught in the rain. There's a downpour. Then, after the downpour starts, Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. How about that? How about that? Now watch. This is a, this is a rider downer too. Okay. So you ever been out in a rainstorm? You know, if you don't have hair, it's, it's now. Listen, I'm not making fun because you know I, you know, you know the story. It's, it's getting rough. Okay, but you know, it's funny. Now, take it like Roth. See, Roth has lots of hair. So when a raindrop hits his head, it probably don't even... Pay. I know, I'm trying to be nice, Roth. I'm trying to cut you some slack, son. Okay, you owe me for this one. Okay, but anyway, so when, when a raindrop hits Roth's head, he doesn't even feel it. It's, it's, it's so thick. It's like the hair of Samson. You owe me, big boy. You owe me. Okay, so anyway, so the raindrops start falling. You feel it. Okay, now watch, watch, watch. Every raindrop. Every raindrop was a testimony to Elijah and Ahab. 
every drop of rain that hit Elijah said this, God is faithful, God is good, and God can be trusted. Every, that's the message of God to Elijah over and over again. Hey, Elijah, feel that rain? Hey, Elijah, do you feel that rain? Elijah, you remember I said it's time for rain? And Elijah, you remember? You remember I asked you to pray, and, and you did, and of course my will, and the rain comes. Elijah, God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Now, it's a different testimony for Ahab. Every drop that Ahab said, Baal is a failure. I'm God and he's not. Baal is a failure. I'm God, and he's not. Well, verse 46. So the power of the Lord was on Elijah. And he tucked his mantle under his belt, got everything out of the way, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, this is, this is cool, okay? So bottom line is that God Almighty empowers a, uh, Elijah to outrun Ahab. And Ahab tra- is in a chariot. He's in this trailer, Brent. He's in this trailer. No, he's in a chariot. And there should be no way that would be possible. But once again, with God, the impossible becomes possible. The impossible becomes possible. So again, what's the point of that end of the story? You know, the chapter ends as God empowers Elijah to outrun Ahab. And it's just one more kiss from God. Just one more kiss from God for his prophet. Elijah, I'm good. Elijah, I'm faithful. Elijah, I can be trusted. I make the impossible possible. You shouldn't be able to outrun this man. But you can because you're empowered by He's fixing to need that. Now, if you know the story next, the craziest thing, he's going to run. Not run to, run from. He's running from a wicked woman named Jezebel. And he's going to need all the faith and strength and power that God can give him. And God's like that. He gives us what we need. At just the right time. So would you bow your heads right there? I think I'm so grateful that you tuned in this morning. And I want to I want to ask you a couple questions. Maybe you're watching, and for the first time you heard a story about a man named Jesus who died on a Roman cross. Has there has there come a time in your life when you realized that you could have a relationship with the true creator God? Maybe that truth came out today. Well, I've been giving my phone number out every week, and I want to do it again. It's 618-499-0070. 618-499-0070. If you want to give me a call and talk about Jesus, um, now if you want to talk about the Cubs, call somebody else. Okay, but if you want to talk about Jesus, I would love to talk with you about that. Maybe if you're on Facebook or YouTube right now, and you could type some comments. Hey, please have one of the pastors call me. We would love to share with you about Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, religion can't cut it. Church can't cut it. But Jesus does and can. We want to tell you about him. But maybe you're here today and you're already a Christian. You're already a Christ follower. But if you're honest, you say, Dwayne, I've tried this prayer thing 
And it's like my prayers just circle around the ceiling fan. It doesn't get any way. Well, did you get something today that maybe would radically change your life? Not just your prayer life, your life. Maybe are you willing to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. God, my kids, I turn them over to you. God, my career, I turn them over to you. And watch it come alive. Watch it come alive. And, and I'll tell you this too, that if you'll call the staff, again, you got my number, make a comment there. If we can help you in any way as a Christ follower to grow, we want to do that also. We want to help you. All right? Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you again so very much for this privilege of being here. Thank you for the privilege of sharing this truth. Thank you for the great story of Elijah. And we want to pray, Father, that one, for the person who may not know you, uh, may today be the day, Lord, that they put their faith and trust in you. And Father, help us. Help us to be men and women of prayer. Help us to understand that prayer matters. That's a priority. Never let prayer be our spare tire. Let it be our steering wheel. Something we need every inch of the way. And then, Father, um, for my friend who needs Jesus, may today be their day again. May it happen for them today. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Just what we need before.
God is good. Amen. He certainly is. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning as we worship together. And don't forget, tomorrow Memorial Day, that service starts at 10 o'clock out at the cemetery. Take your children. Teach them about what this is all about. Hey, Brent, you got anything? Third week? Are you sure? All right. Let's pray. God, you've been so good. I love this song. You are a good, good father. And, well, we get to be your children. And it's all by grace. It's not our performance. It's not that we're good. It's good that you're good and you're graceful. Thank you for that. Bless our church family, Lord. We pray for each one that's listening right now. And just want to ask God that you'll watch over them during this time. And we want to pray, Father, for your peace to be in their lives. And pray, Father, for the ones that are going through difficult times right now. Father, I know they do not walk alone. And I'm thankful for that. So I love you today, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. We pray in your precious name. Amen. God bless you guys.